0: The text is the first three verses of the epistle, Hebrews chapter 1. If you really wanted to explain to someone how much you love them, what would you do? Some options. You could rent a billboard, you could make a video, you could flood Kavina with leaflets. Uh, if you're lovely, loved the beach, you could take them down there and get one of those sky riders to go and put it up in the sky. Or you could even send someone to make your case for you. There's a famous example of that in our history where Miles Standish was in love with Priscilla Mullins so he sent John Alden and she she knew what was going on and she said, speak for yourself, John Alden, and I think she ended up marrying him. You see, that last one especially teaches us that the best way to explain to someone how much you love them is to go yourself and tell them. God sent us many messages in many ways, dreams, visions, angels, prophets. His mysterious ways continue. Terry Gilroy writes, 10 o'clock and I'm still at the office. I thought I'd been putting in a lot of extra hours lately. I barely had a moment to think, pray, talk to my friends, just to relax. Everyone else had left hours ago. I'd promised myself I would get home early tonight, so why was I still at work? Just one more fax, I told myself, and then I'll leave. I put the papers on the machine and punched in the number of a client in Los Angeles. Then I pressed the send button. An error message flashed on the display beside the number. I looked at it closely. Odd. That's not the number I dialed. This one was a 714 area code. That's Anaheim, I thought. Why would the fax machine be calling there? I tried again, carefully dialing my client's number, and the same thing happened. Finally, I decided to call the mysterious 714 number. The phone rang a few times, and then a woman answered shakily, hello? I explained to her that I had been trying to send a fax. There's no fax machine here, she said. This is a nursing home. You called an old lady. I quickly apologized for bothering her so late at night. Oh, no, my dear, I'm glad you called. I hardly ever get any visitors. In fact, I was just sitting here asking the Lord for a friendly voice. The woman and I chatted for a few minutes and then a few more. She told me all about her life in the nursing home. I talked about my job. Before I knew it, we were talking about faith, too. Thank you so much for calling, dear, the woman finally said. You made my night. Now, it was really late, but all the way home, a good feeling stayed with me. I didn't even think about the facts until the next day when I got to work. Oh, no, I forgot to send it. I called my client to apologize. What do you mean, he asked. I got your fax late last night. It came in just after 10. These kinds of stories are sure to create a variety of reactions in people. Nodding approval, skepticism, even jealousy. If you were to say, If only God would speak to me like that. This text tells you that what we celebrate today is God's speaking to us, speaking to us his ultimate word. Even the best of stories about mysterious happenings are in the long run fluff when compared to the message that God sends us today. Nothing can be compared with the way that he has spoken by sending us his son. God, you see, is not simply an information service designed to help you cope or get what you want out of life. God is intent on changing you, restoring you, me, us, all of humankind. Love, you see, does not reveal itself in what it is willing to say, even if it is on a billboard, in a personalized video, or written by a skywriter. It reveals itself in the crunch of what it is willing to do. A woman was telling her friend about Christmas at her house. I was visited by a jolly fellow with a big bag over his shoulder. My son came home from college with his laundry. That mother would gladly spend many hours with the wash for the joy of having her own back home because she loved him. We know what parents will do and why they will do it for their heirs apparent. Nearly anything because they love them. God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe, Hebrew says. When you care enough, like the old Hallmark slogan goes, you do send the very best. Christ is that, because he is of the best. God from God, light from light, really and truly God from really and truly God. The Gospel from St. John chapter one makes that point, but also in Hebrews. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. The phrase exact representation signifies something a bit different to us than is intended by the text and how it would have been understood when it was written. We tend to think of a copy as inferior, and so an exact representation to us doesn't seem to be the genuine thing. But that is not really how the example works. The picture of a stamp or seal relates the Father and the Son in a way designed to show their unity of being, while at the same time showing the Son's existence to depend on that of the Father. St. Athanasius, as the spring is not the stream, so the stream is not the spring, and yet both contain the same water, which flows from the spring into the stream. Even so, the deity passes on from the Father to the Son without separation. This truth seems abstract. Indeed, the lessons for Christmas Day seem abstract, nothing about angels and shepherds. But this truth, and to say it in its abstract way, is vitally necessary because it reflects a reality beyond mere emotion and fading sentiment. And sentiments will fade. The ornaments will be boxed up and put away, the lights unplugged, and life will leave Christmas enchantment for the ordinary once again. But the truth of the incarnation does not fade. That truth, that is, in Christ God became a man, is as much good news now as ever it was to shepherds or angels or aged saints awaiting the Lord's appearing as they faithfully kept watch in his temple. God did not delegate. He did not substitute anything inferior to himself. The invisible God took upon himself flesh and blood and showed us what the invisible God is like. And if we want to know what God is like, we are to look at the Son. The crucial mark of God's divine life is that it is shared, given, expended, whether in a squalling baby in a feed trough or a man dying on a cross. The selfless giving of self that marks real love is the very nature of God. And how great is that love? A missionary was serving in Korea, and she tells this story. A pregnant woman on Christmas Eve tried to make it to the mission, but ended up delivering on the way under a bridge, the best shelter she could find. She died there, however, after taking off all her clothes to swaddle her baby boy. On Christmas Day, she was found by the missionary who adopted him. Her son never tired of hearing this story about his birth. When he was 12, he asked her to take him to his mother's grave. When they arrived, there was snow on the ground, and he asked his missionary mother to wait while he went to the grave site alone. She watched her son as he trudged through the snow, tears streaming down his cheeks. In amazement, she saw him slowly unbutton his coat, remove it, and gently lay it on the snowy grave. And next, his shirt, his trousers, socks, shoes. The missionary could take it no longer, And she ran to her son, put her coat around his bare, shivering shoulders. And through his tears, she heard him as he asked, Were you colder than this for me, mother? Were you colder than this? And of course, he knew that she had been. Powerful love generates powerful love as its response. This is what Christmas is all about and the message of God incarnating in our flesh is all about. To lay aside his divine clothing, if you will, all the trappings and majesty of heaven and to die out of love for us, to purify us from our sins, to make us his adopted children, to raise us for himself. If we want to know what it is to be loved by the all-powerful Father, we are to accept the love of the Son, and a strong love it is. Hebrews goes, About the Son, God says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness, Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. This is, of course, a day for joy, full, rich, strong joy, to offset the sorrow that this boy will know, because the Father's eternal will and plan is now being fulfilled. No wonder that the Collect for Christmas Day puts it like this. God, you have done all this so that seeing you in the person of your Son, we may be drawn to the love of those things which are not seen. Amen. Draw us to you, O Lord.